And God is in this house today. We are delighted to have with us Brother and Sister Richardson. Uh, Brother and Sister Richardson, for many years, uh, grew the work in the country of Madagascar and gave their lives to the development of that tremendous revival. Of all the places I've been, there's nothing quite like Madagascar when it comes to the church. It's an amazing place. It's an amazing people. Thousands of people will gather together, different conferences and crusades throughout the, throughout the country. But once a year in September, they all come together for a general conference. I've had the privilege to be there a couple of times. I'll be there again this year. But I've never seen people worship, give, pray others through the Holy Ghost. I've never seen anything quite like it. There they are, giving in the offering. These people work for the equivalent of a dollar a day and will give so much they have to pile it high and there you can see my two children are at the end of the table helping to count the offering they were very excited about the opportunity to get into all of that money and to help count but uh brother and sister richardson and that tremendous revival in madagascar uh, a church now of over three hundred thousand people Because a man and a woman went to that country and said, we will lift up the name of Jesus in this country. One time, whenever the power of God was moving so strong, I turned to Brother Richardson, who I consider to be a mentor and just a great man of God. He has prayed over me and my family, and we love them dearly. I said, Brother Richardson, you did a great job just discipling these people, growing this great revival. God used you for a mighty work. He said, Brother David... As long as God gets the credit for it, he'll keep on blessing it. But if we start to take the credit, God can stop it in a moment. How many of you know you got to keep giving God the glory for what he's done in your life and your family? To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Every good gift cometh down from the Father of life. Brother and Sister Richardson, we love you so much. Brother Richardson, we want you to come and preach to us the gospel this morning. Would you welcome Brother Jerry Richardson? Thank you, Brother Meyer, and praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Wow. Here is liberty. Here is power. Here is peace. Here is joy. Here is salvation. Here is healing. Everything you need is in the house right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I like what I'm feeling. Such an honor to be in Palm Bay today. I give honor to the bishop and his wife. They are precious people. I had the privilege to visit on deputation many years ago and uh, this fine pastor then had the waviest hair 
And I often wondered, how can he get it to do that? <laughs> Brother Meyer, I've tried. I get mine to wave. One stands up and waves to the other. But I never was able to do it quite that way. And then Brother David Meyer, his beautiful family. If I had another son, I guess I'd call him David. Got one. I don't know what to do with him sometimes. So I guess two wouldn't be a double problem. <laughs> we love them very, very dearly. They're a great family. I always think, you know, if, if their time ends in Palm Bay, we can always take them to Africa. They fit right in. We're, we're so glad for the privilege to be here with all of them and all of you. Especially nice to be here with Brother Tremble. My, I wish I could sing like that. But if I did, then he wouldn't be so special. So we ought to have some people that are special. You're, you're in for a treat for this evening. And uh, I kind of wish it was this morning so I could be here. But it's my opportunity to speak to you, and I do it in the fear of God. I, I love what God is doing in this end time. Some people like to talk about the church of yesteryears. I'm glad for the church of today. I believe there are more miracles taking place today than were ever recorded in Scripture. One day... I'm happy that we have seen the blinded eyes opened. We've seen the lame get up and walk. The deaf have received their hearing. The demoniacs have been delivered. The dead have been raised to life again. I'm glad that the God we serve, his name is Jesus, is still on the throne. Still very able to meet all of our needs. I'm just glad he's with us today. Have your Bibles and would like to turn with me. I'm reading from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the awesome presence that's in the house right now. Lord, I believe you are here to meet needs. 
I believe the miracle worker is in the house. You're here to do whatever we have need of right now. Bless these lips of clay. Bless the word as it goes into our hearts. Lord, have your perfect way throughout the remainder of this service. You know every need. And I praise you for it, Lord. We promise you all praise, all glory, all honor will go only to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I sought for a a while to try to find the right title for the message. You know, sometimes the title can be a big problem. Sometimes you get a title and you can't find a scripture to match it. Other times you get a scripture and you have a hard time finding a title to match it. I finally settled on a title, but I wasn't real sure if it passed all of the rules that we normally use for grammar. I didn't do real well in English. Uh, I guess I could blame it on the fact that I was where they were non-English speakers much of my life. So uh, I ended up with a title. And it simply says this, it is time to unhide the gospel. It is time to unhide the gospel. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Would you tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell them it is time to unhide the gospel. It's time to unhide the gospel. One more time. It's time to unhide the gospel. Let me tell you a story. It's a true story. I'll do much of it from reading so it doesn't get too long. As a young man, just 17 years old, I accompanied my father in southern Mindanao, which is in the Philippines, on a return trip to visit a tribe of people that had begun to receive the gospel. On the previous trip my father had made, he was a missionary to the Philippines at that time, he'd gone to visit the churches in the, and the the ministers in the area of Catabato City. While there, one of the preachers came to him and said, I have an opening into a tribe of people further south on the island. He persuaded my father to accompany him there. They arrived at the Bilaan tribe. The Bilaan tribe were very primitive at that time. They were known as a warring people, and of course, they were quite renowned for their practice of taking heads. In other words, they were headhunters. The culture was where men had multiple wives, and if they decided they wanted another wife, it wasn't too hard to get one. You just go to a neighboring tribe, kill the man that's got the one you want, take her to be your wife, and uh, life goes on. My dad had arrived late evening into this strange place. 
was taken by the tribal men to have an audience to speak with the chief. Now, I don't know what would have happened had he been unacceptable to the chief, but the chief gave him an opportunity to speak, and he told him that he had come to tell them of Jesus. After some discussion, the chief said, It's too late. We can't continue this evening, so let us sleep, and tomorrow morning we'll hear you further. He was taken to the house of the chief's oldest son, who was in the line to be the next chief. Their houses were built quite strange. They were up on poles, up on stilts, quite high off the ground. There was a hole in the middle of the floor and a ladder. Everybody would climb the ladder to get up into the house. And once everybody got in, they would pull the ladder on the inside, put a covering over the opening, and uh, they would be secure for the night. My dad had brought a cot, so he sat it up, laid down, and went sound asleep. The next morning, as activity began, he got up and prepared for the day. In a little while, they came and got him took him to a small open area. There they would sit. He would talk with the chief and to the other main men of the tribe. He began to tell them the story of man. Man was made by God, but disobeyed God and became a sinner. As a result, he became a stranger to God and a stranger to God's plan. Man would die lost, and he would go to a hell. But God so loved man, he had created him, that he had made now a plan for redemption. He wanted man to live with him forever. God took on the form of flesh, came to this earth, and went to a cross at Calvary where he bled and died so that man might have salvation. He was preparing a way to take us to heaven, to live with him in mansions that he had prepared. The only way that we can get there is if we are born again. I'm sure that my dad spent quite a bit of time explaining all of that much more detail than what I just related to you. But sometime during the conversation at about this stage of talking about the only way to get there is to be born again, the chief interrupted my dad and began to speak. I don't know about you, but if you're among a tribe of headhunters, And the chief decides he wants to talk. Not real sure what's coming. But he said like this, now I understand it. I could not understand until just right now. Last night as I slept, I had a dream. In my dream, I saw a beautiful house. It was the biggest house I've ever seen. 
It was so awesome. I just could not take my eyes off of it. I looked and I looked and I looked. I decided to go inside. If it's this beautiful on the outside, what must it look like on the inside? He said, I looked for a door and could not find one. I went on every side of the house. I went all around it. Nowhere could I find a door. Finally, I saw a man and I stopped him and asked him a question. Where is the door to that house? I want to go inside. It's too beautiful. Just so awesome. And I must see the inside as well. The reply came back saying, sir, if you notice, this house has no doors. There are no entrances. If you are to get into that, this house, there's only one way. You must be born in that house. He said, now it's clear. You said that Jesus went to prepare a place for us. But that in order to go there, I must be born again. If I want to get into that place, I must be born there. That day, he baptized around 60 people in the name of Jesus Christ. The next trip, which is the one that I am relating to you about because I was there. There were 196, I believe it was, baptized. Church was being built. The work was well on its way. The chief came and asked my dad the evening before we were to leave on the morning. He said, what can I give you? You have given us so much. I just feel like I need to give you something. My dad replied very quickly. He said, I'd like to have your bolo. Now, a bolo is a long machete used by all the tribal men. The chief's bolo, however, was special. It had been handed down from chief to chief and was to be handed down to the next chief at the death of this one. No telling how old it was or how many heads had been cut off by using that bolo. The chief had what appeared as a sad expression and seemed to deny the request. Nothing more was said. We went to bed, went to sleep. The next morning we were preparing to leave to go back home. The chief came out of his house carrying his bolo. Someone had stayed up that night, did whatever they had to do to repaint the scabbard, which was made out of wood, and gave it a new paint job. But with tears in his eyes, he walked over to my father. He gave him the bolo with these words. Please take this bolo. We don't need it anymore. The days of headhunting are gone. 
Now we are serving Jesus. One of my most prized possessions at my house is that bolo. But every time I see it, it reminds me of the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. I told you that story to tell you that the gospel does work. It changes people under any circumstances, in any location, with any group of people. The gospel works. The gospel works. The gospel works. Hallelujah. Our problem is not the power of the gospel. Tell your neighbor one more time, the problem is not the power of the gospel. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is sufficient. The gospel can do anything. The problem is not the power of the gospel. But rather... That we allow the gospel to remain hidden to so many in our world. They've never heard it preached. They've never seen it lived. Frankly, so many of them don't even know it exists. That used to be very true outside the United States and not so true within America. But I'm sorry to tell you that within the borders of America, there are many people who do not know what you're referring to when you talk about the gospel. It is hidden to them. Paul described to us what the gospel was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sin, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. What a clear definition of the gospel. Praise God. I like to add to that the words of Paul to the Romans. In the first chapter of the book of Romans, he says, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That work of the Lord in your life and my life 
It's because of the power of the gospel. When the gospel is preached, it changes lives. Hallelujah. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord were applied to our lives as we repented, died to sin, as we were baptized in Jesus' name, we were buried with Christ in baptism, and we received the Holy Ghost. We, were, we rose to walk in the newness of life, death, burial, and resurrection. For that we rejoice today. Hallelujah. Because of the gospel. Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, he became Paul, the preacher of the gospel. Simon, the fisherman for fish, became a fiery preacher fishing for men. One very near to my heart, Denzel Richardson, a drunkard, saw and heard the gospel through a man. And he was changed. He became a preacher, a pastor, a missionary, my father. But let's come straight to you today. You were lost. Such were some of you. But you are sanctified. You're washed. You're cleansed. You were going the wrong way. But through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection, your life was turned around. Oh, hallelujah. You're not the man you used to be. You're not the woman you used to be. There's a new man in your shoes today. The power of the gospel worked where you are, and you are now a new creature in him. Oh, hallelujah. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and reminded them, if our gospel be hid, if our gospel be hid. What terrible words. Something so wonderful. Something so life-giving. Something so real. Something so able to meet the needs of individuals. But if it be hid. Punch your neighbor one more time and say it's time to unhide the gospel. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If it is veiled so they can't see it, then they have no choice but to be walking the wrong way. Our mission, our vision, our purpose as a church is that every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl might know the gospel. That the whole world needs to hear the preaching of the gospel. We cannot leave them in darkness. Cannot allow the gospel to be hid to them. We must 
unhide the gospel in Palm Bay. We must unhide the gospel in our family settings. We must unhide the gospel in our workplace, in our schools, in our marketplaces. We must unhide the gospel with our neighborhood. Somehow, they've got to be able to see Jesus reflected in you. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a great scripture? I love it. Paul wrote it to the Romans. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? Your neighbor is looking for you to be their preacher. Oh, you may never, you may never preach from this desk. You may never have the opportunity to stand up here and let your knees shake together. You may be real tongue-tied when you get up here. But friend, you might say, well, I, I, I can't describe the mysteries of the book of Daniel. And how shall I tell them about what's written in the book of Revelation? Can you tell them what happened to you? The blind man said, I don't know about all of that. I just know I was blind. And now I see. It's time that we unlock the, the gospel. They need to see it. They need to hear it. They need to know that it's real. I wish I had time to go around the room and just let you tell me some ways that we could unhide the gospel. Sure, it would be quite amazing. Some of the answers would be good and some would need some thought. That's funny, I, I agree. We can share the gospel by our different ministries. If you don't have a ministry, you need a ministry. If you're a one God, tongue-talking, apostolic, you better have a ministry. You've got a gospel to share. You can go to people and invite them to church. You don't need to know the book of Daniel to invite people to church. You don't need to have all those mysteries of revelation organized in your deep mind. All you got to do is tell them, if you'll come and go with me into the house of the Lord, when you get there, there's one that will meet you there. 
His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We used to have a saying at the headquarters church in Madagascar. I was the head pastor for a long time. We used to say, if we can get them to come one time to church, they'll be Pentecostal. Because we're going to be so friendly, and we're going to be so apostolic, and the power of God's going to move, and we're going to worship, and they're going to feel what they've never felt before, and they're not ever going to be happy anywhere else except right here. Why is the gospel hid? Because we have chosen to hide it. It's time to unhide the gospel. We can give money so that missionaries can take the gospel to the other parts of the world. And that's a way that we can unhide the gospel. Also, and I I don't think this is the least by any stretch of the imagination. There are probably many, many other things that I could add, but time will not permit. I think the kind of life that we live examples what the gospel produces. One of the greatest things you can do to unhide the gospel is to be the right example of what the gospel produces. Learn to smile. Don't be the grouch on the block. Don't be that person that all your neighbors hate. Leave that position for your neighbor. They'll do very well with it. You just be an example of what a child of God is. Paul said it clearly when he said, You're my, our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, when they see you. I don't know how you are, but I've walked into restaurants. Almost get the uncomfortable feeling because everybody in the restaurant stops what they're talking about, lays down their fork, and turns around and looks. Now, I know I'm handsome, but I'm not that handsome. I know I'm overweight, but I'm not that overweight. I know what it is. It's the awesome presence of the Holy Ghost that we carry in us. We change our environment. When we walk in, it makes a difference. It's time to unhide the gospel. I mentioned the name Nicholas Cruz. I'm pretty sure that almost everybody in this room, if not 100%, will know who I'm referring to. Florida was hit real hard with the tragedy. That wasn't the only tragedy, but that particular one got my attention. 17 people, mostly students, were killed, others wounded. But it reveals something to us. 
Nicholas Cruz was walking a path where the gospel was hid from him. Had only someone been able to reveal the gospel to Nicholas, no doubt the story would read much differently. But the gospel was hid. It's time, church, that we unhide the gospel. It's time that we let Florida know that there's a one God apostolic church that has the power of Almighty God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I could stand here right now and tell you of miracle after miracle after miracle. We'd still be here in the evening time. I could tell you of blinded eyes that are open. Kind of had on my mind the story of Dr. Lumpy at a church. It was up on the hill. You know, you put a Pentecostal church doesn't have air conditioning, doesn't close the windows or the doors, makes a lot of noise. You put it up on top of the hill, the noise is going to carry. We had the Pentecostal church on top of the hill. Down at the bottom of the hill was a church of another denomination. They had church the same time on Sunday. But the problem was, those Pentecostals made so much noise. They wanted it clear, we're not hiding the gospel. They'd sing, they'd shout. Problem was, when they would get to singing, the church down at the bottom of the hill couldn't hear each other. After they sang the same song a few times, the church down the bottom of the hill learned the song. (laughs) And they started singing together. Came time for the preacher, and they heard most of the message. So some of them just decided, well, if we're going to sing with them and listen to their preacher... We might as well go to their church. When you unhide the gospel, people are going to come because there's life in the house. People are going to come because there's a Savior in the house. People are going to come because the gospel still works. Oh, You may have witnessed to that lost loved one for a long time. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. The gospel still works. The gospel still works. Pray for them. Speak to them. Lead them to church. Get every excuse you can get to get them in the door. Because one touch of this apostolic power makes you want to be an apostolic. You're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost. You're feeling something strange right now. That's all right. It's not hocus pocus. 
It's God Almighty. Hallelujah. He's coming to the house and he's saying, I want to be in you. All you have to do is come and repent of your sin. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none of the name given unto heaven among men whereby we must be saved. This gospel will let you go into that house that has no doors. This gospel, this message will change your life forever. The circumstances that you thought would be so complicated, suddenly they're not big circumstances anymore because the gospel takes care of it all. Would you stand with me? It's time to unhide the gospel. It's time to let the gospel shine in each of us. I want to be that mirror of his greatness. I want to be a mirror of his power. I want the glory of God to shine that this world may know that the Jesus we love is not something recorded 2,000 years ago, but he's alive today and forevermore. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder across this congregation right now, is there someone like to step out and make your way to the front and say, I want today to receive the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to walk with God, know that the gospel is alive in me. And I want to be able to let my friends and my neighbors and all of those around me know gospel is alive the Jesus of the gospel is alive we're coming now is there someone else I know we're all going to fall in here in just a moment I hope everybody's planning on coming down and praying for a little while before you leave it's time to heat up our testimony it's time to be red hot for God time to be fanatical about what we believe hallelujah it's time to know that our God is the same and our gospel is true if it's hid it's hid to them that are lost it's time to unhide the gospel would you join us at the front everybody Make your way up here. Let's pray for a little while. If you don't have anything else to pray for, just pray for me. Make your way to the front. I'd like to see 100%. Make your way to the front. Come on. It won't hurt you to come pray. might do you good. Come on, that's it. Oh, yes. Time to unhide the gospel. We're going to let Pompey know he's alive forevermore. He has all power. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. What does it mean? What does it mean to be saved? Is it more?
Joel Urshan, who has spoken here many times before, pastors in Cincinnati, Ohio. He told me of a conversation he had with a man in his church by the name of Ernie Cox. Ernie Cox, quite elderly, somewhere up in his uh, late 80s. He said to Brother Urshan, I just don't feel like I've done that much for the Lord. I don't feel like I've done enough for him. And my friend, Pastor Joel Urshan, reminded him of all that he had done in serving the Lord and witnessing. And then he reminded him of one day on the job, he was just forming a plant working along with some other men. There was a man there that was working in that factory, and his name was Denzel Richardson, the father of Brother Jerry Richardson, the one who he told the story about being in that village, those headhunters in the Philippines. You see, Ernie Cox was just working side by side with him, but he took the time one day to share the gospel with him. He invited him to church. Brother Denzel Richardson went home, told his wife, we're going to go to this apostolic church. They went to that church. They got saved. They became a missionary. They raised their son, Brother Jerry Richardson, in the gospel. He raised his son in the gospel. And now that picture behind us is his son, Chris, preaching to the masses of Madagascar. Over 300,000 people are in the church in Madagascar because one man by the name of Ernie Cox decided that he would witness to the man he was working next to in a factory. Ladies and gentlemen, just think, if you'll unhide the gospel and share it with one person, an entire nation can be changed. Because the gospel works! Hallelujah! You're going to be hearing and next Sunday they're going to be telling you about a meeting that we're going to have as a church. For all of you that are interested in outreach, I want you to be a part of it. We're going to launch an initiative here at First Pentecostal Church that's going to be a vehicle that we can use to unhide the gospel and reach those around us. God bless you. I'm so glad you're in the house of the Lord today. Reach your brother and sister and tell them we're going to have revival. Let's unhide the gospel. We'll see you tonight at 630 with Pastor Tom Dribble. God bless you.